Hey guys, I'm Shay, a three-winged two on the Enneagram that finds her home in Atlanta, Georgia. The goal of this podcast is to create an ongoing conversation about the tensions of following Jesus in today's culture. Join me and many others as we have conversations that challenge and inspire us to follow Jesus in our day and age. This is Just Shayin'. Hey guys, this is Just Shayan, and on this episode, I'm excited to have Eric Johnson. Him and his wife, Candice, are senior pastors at Bethel Church in Redding, California. Um, I know it is a church that has, God has just like just breathed on and is really just using, uh, I think way before, honestly, we all heard about it, God was already using it. It's just kind of fun how God just blows on something and then we all find out, hey, this has actually been happening for a while. Um, And so today I am honored to have some of his time uh, to just come on and share with us kind of the whole theme of what does it look like culturally for us to follow Jesus in the 21st century. And so, Eric, thank you for coming on. You bet. It's great to be here. Yeah, I told Will, I already said this to you, but um, I told Will that we weren't going to talk about bees, but um, I figured I would just throw that shout out to him. Because uh, he cares about that stuff, I, he, about he might be he might be really disappointed in you right now. So, but he can get over it. <laughs> it's true. We'll we'll pray for him because that's what it looks like in the twenty first century is just to pray for people <laughs> like Will. But now I wanted to have you on because um, I just I've listened I've listened to you guys for years, whether it's through Bethel TV or YouTube or you know all the platforms. But uh, and have even been to Reading multiple times just to with Iris Global to refresh and just be there in the, the house of prayer and stuff. And, and there's something in this season in the last few years, I believe, that you've just been pushing this. Uh, I want to say relevance, which is not the right word, but it's almost putting this l- language to yeah. um, culturally. How do we as Christians navigate culture yeah. and um, and just what God's doing on the earth. Do you, like, when did he start kind of putting this in you or, you know, the charismatic or be birthing this in you? Yeah. Um, you know, with everything, yeah. you've been living something. And so I'd love to hear a little bit about that. Yeah, I was just asked this last week by someone else, like, what? why are you talking about all this all the time? And I said, you know, uh, I've been in the church my entire life. Uh, I'm sixth generation pastor on my dad's side. I'm fourth generation Christian on my mom's side. So I'm, I have this amazing Christian heritage, just um, generations of giving their life to God. And I'm surrounded by it. And I know I'm so blessed and privileged and all the above. And, and I think at the same time, I've seen a lot of things too. I've been around the church for, you know, I've been, I'm, I'm 43. So I've been in the church for at least that long. And then you add the generation of conversation by my parents, my grandparents, and, and so on and so forth. There's, there's so much context to what I've been exposed to personally or through conversations. And naturally, I am a very curious person. I'm always asking why or what and what is this unto. And so my natural curiosity I know it started when I was really young. I don't think I was aware of it, but I know when I was young, I would unknowingly ask in lots of questions, not, of not, not questioning the validity of the church at all, but wondering where does this all go to? Like, what are we, what are we gathering for? Uh, what's the purpose of church? Or, you know, all those questions would just 
like I said, I didn't realize I would ask him this question, but looking back, I'm like, oh yeah, that was always there. I think once I got into my adulthood, so my you know late teens, early twenties, I know my early twenties. I look, especially looking back, like oh, the th- there I was confronted with some major serious questions about like what is this unto? Now, just to give context, in the mid 1990s to the late 1990s the church, especially ours and others, were experiencing renewal. We were experiencing revival and outpouring where night after night we're gathering and not, you know, getting a home midnight to three in the morning. I mean, it just, that was our life. And so, and I loved every second of it. And at the same time, I'm like, okay, now did God touch you because he just wants to touch you? Absolutely. Is there another dimension of that, what we would call revival? I would say, yes. There has to be. So I think to answer your question, I've been asking these questions since I was a little boy. And it's really hardcore when I got into my 20s, like going, asking these questions, which has led me to what I talk about. So I would say good 20 years, really engaging on this topic. And I feel like I'm just now getting the language to it. So it's interesting that you brought that up. Yeah, I think there's some key things that you said that I was like, it's so like, it's so right, because it's like, we have, we get it, we have encounters with God, and he totally cares about encountering us and just us alone. But there's a side of Jesus that says it's always unto giving it away. It's always okay. So now I've received this encounter, I've received this thing. And how do I go and spill it out in community? How do I go spill it out among people? Yeah. And it's so interesting the way that it's worded, right? Because it's like we seek encounter and we seek like the, we go to conferences and we have this church um, etiquette of sort, you know, of, okay, yeah. I'm going to go, go to church. And I think there's this cultural shift in Christianity. And I think he's using you to put language into that of, okay, now we have it, but now how do we go serve? How do we go serve what, what, has been so-called secular how do we go serve these industries how do we take light into the darkness yeah yeah it's you know it's there's so many layers to this so i'm trying to think of the i think one of the layers you know i mean we could talk for days because i i usually i've been dwelling on this for so many years the challenge i think we have right now and this is going to be a very general statement so it's not going to apply to every situation but I think the church at large has to take a step back and look at the whole story of the kingdom, not just part of the story. And without getting into too much minutia and detail, but one of the reasons why specifically the Western church at large mainly focuses on the fall and redemption, mainly focuses on when sin came into the equation and what Jesus did to forgive our sin, which would be redemption. But we also have to understand there was creation before that. And then it doesn't just end in redemption. It actually goes to, into the restoration of all things. So I think the church at large, the challenge now is, not now, it's been going on for a while, and I'm very passionate about helping to diffuse it. And it's the idea of like, When we say kingdom, if you have the lens of fall and redemption only, when you hear kingdom, you only think fall and redemption. 
get everyone saved. Now, just to be very clear, is that important? Absolutely. Salvation of souls is should always be important and should even be more important than ever. And in the same sentence or in the same breath, we all have to understand that our lens in the Western church has been get people saved. And we have to take a step back and go, what is the kingdom lens? And the, in, my, in my opinion, the kingdom lens is creation, fall, redemption, and the restoration of all things. So that changes, the, that changes the, a lot. It changes everything for me. And so anyway, so I'm not sure where you want to go specifically, but I could go on and on. But that's, that's what's happening right now. And we have a generation of people right now that are asking these questions. Okay, what is this unto? Um, where, where are we going? I mean, what are we doing? And how are we actually affecting the culture and society? And if we have fallen redemption, then we're going to be thinking the only way to affect culture and society is to get people saved. Yeah, but there's also more. There's a lot more. And so those are the questions that are being asked today. So uh, anyways, yeah. No, it's so good. I'm sitting here and I'm like, man, there's like so many directions you could go. It's almost like, you know, like we have our salvation moment, but then it goes, okay, now there's discipleship. Now there's the actual restoration of walking this thing out and putting legs to it. And I love that it, that it is not just, it is redemption, but it's also restoration. It's also like the, like bringing it full circle from the garden to now. And what does that look like? And yeah. um yeah, it's really the way you worded it was really beautiful. How do you feel like um, it would, I say play out, obviously, that's like a very generic question. But generationally, what do you feel like God is, is doing in this generation specifically? Ooh, that's a loaded question. I know, um, I was like, I, I didn't really help we you could, out we, with that. We could go a 500 directions on that. Um, the thought that first came to my mind was, I think right now, this is a very small lane, but I do think it's going to help us to know which way to go in moving forward. The question that I'm asking God, and the question I'm asking people is we have to learn the difference between Christianizing versus seeing the kingdom come. That is a massive, massive question that the answers have incredible ramifications. And I think if we look back on church history, there's never been, I should never know the right word, there's, there's always been many generations that have sought to see the kingdom come. And what I seem to notice uh, in church history and just hum human history is religious, Christian religion has always seemed to end up in Christianizing. And that's, I don't think that's where we're going. I don't, at least I don't want to go there. I think we need to ask the question, what does it really mean to see the kingdom come? So one of the challenges we have, and again, if people listening to this aren't exposed to what I'm about to say, then I'll maybe I'll give a little bit more context. You have the whole seven mountains teaching, which I actually really like it, but I also think there it maybe it's gone too far. And for me, and I'll tell you why. The reason I love it, I love the people that teach on it, preach on it, I'm fans of it. I don't even use that language. So the fact that I even said it out loud on a podcast is like, oh, I can't believe I just said that. But I say it for this reason, because a lot of people, when they hear what I'm talking about, they think seven mountains, seven mountains. We need to get to the top of every mountain. And I'm like, I don't know if that's what the point of the seven mountains is. I think the revelation of the seven mountains was it revealed to us there are seven aspects of culture and society that we need to be aware of. Now, what we do about that, I think we're in that season. So if we're trying to 
it, you know, dominion theology is take over, take over, take over. I do think there's components of that, but I don't know if that's the end game. And so I'm asking a lot of questions right now to answer your question without getting long-winded is, what's the difference between Christianizing and seeing the kingdom come? If we can do that, then I think we'll be able to go farther than any generation has attempted to. And I think that's really exciting. Um, what makes it interesting is we live in a very, specifically in America, but even globally, things are so polarizing, wildly confusing. And postmodernism has so many grandchildren now that we don't even know what to call it. And it's like, okay. And so I am, I am forced to go back. Where's our answer? Well, Jesus is our answer. And I'm incredibly encouraged to study the life of Jesus. I spoke on this, I think it was last fall or last summer, called Upside Down Kingdom. And it's the whole idea to think that Jesus doesn't know how to function in our current context is incorrect. At minimum, Western culture is a post-Christian culture. Jesus stepped into a culture that had no Christian root system, no Christian value system in place. So Jesus had it even, if I could say, a very much more worse uh, extreme context, and yet he thrived. So I'm forced to go back to how did Jesus, how did Jesus do this? So anyway, I could go on. So I don't know if you have any more questions, but yeah, that's what comes it. to mind. No, it's so good because I think that is the idea, right? Like, it, I mean, if he's perfect theology, which we believe he is, it, it's okay. How would he function in this? And and if he, I mean, even you saying like he came in when it was like there was no Christian roots. There wasn't what yeah. we have available to us um, in in these days. You know, like Jesus didn't yeah. just get on YouTube and say, oh, let me watch a sermon or, you know, I type in questions about what does following Jesus look like? Or yeah. you know, like there's so many aspects, but at the same time, it's like, I think sometimes we can get caught. I know I do. I can get caught thinking like, I think it's harder now than it was when he was here. And then I'm like, wait a minute. Like you said, like, I have to go back and be like, wait, there wasn't even a context for him. There wasn't no. like, there wasn't a, you know, there wasn't a history of sorts. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, the Jewish people had a promise, but the Roman Empire, it, it wasn't even on their grid on some on many levels. And so you look at you look at the how revolutionary or how polarizing Jesus was. It just accentuates that like, oh, gosh, for Jesus step. And what fascinated me is Jesus chose to step into human history in that moment, which which to me is it, it, it wild. It's just, it's incredible. It's profound. And so, yeah, so I think if we can go back and recapture some of the ways that Jesus approached culture and society, and there's other places in scripture, other men and women in scripture that give it insight, but Jesus really is the premier example. And so I know for me, especially in the last, you know, year more so than the previous, we're like, okay, Jesus really did show us how to do this. So let's capture, recapture the practices of Jesus and, and really understand that. So that's kind of where I'm at currently. No, I love it. Do you find it? I know for me, because I think it's kind of, I think the reason like all like your sermons and such, even your Insta stories that you'll post, like they kind of like resonate with my spirit. Because I'm like, that's what I feel like he's doing in me and a lot of people around me. It's almost like that, that fair, um, the Pharisee in me is like, he's turning those tables 
inside of my soul. And I'm like, no, like, I love you. Like, wait, hold on. This is uncomfortable. And he's like, but that's not kingdom. Yeah. But like, it looks religious. It looks like, you know, like on the outside, like this is what you think I would do. But the yeah. kingdom's like completely upside down. You know, I said, I stated with a, I was talking with a friend and I was talking, uh, she's a non-believer. Uh, and we were, she was talking about how she feels stared at a lot. And I sat there and I was like, you know, if Jesus was here, like he wouldn't have stared, he wouldn't stare at her. Like he would see her. Yeah. He wouldn't stare at her. And I was sitting here like so profound. It was so simple. Yeah. Yeah. But so like, like I felt exposed in the best of ways. Yeah. Like that it yeah. exposes my own religion, my own like, oh, uh oh. Yeah. I need to go check back in here. Yeah, and you know, and uh, the one the one trigger word right now is love in culture. You know, if you don't agree with the way I live my life or choose to live my life, you don't love me. And I'm like, no, that's that's actually so we have to we almost have to we almost have to redefine so many things, so many narratives that it's, you know, it's a lot of work. <laughs> There's a lot of yeah, work. Yeah, it is. It's constant work. Cause I mean, it's, it's one hand, I love self love and I'm like, yeah, Sabbath and all these things. But on the other side, I'm like, it also like, there's this, uh, you can't make it yourself an idol where it's like, okay, this balance this tension. Yeah. And, um, it, it's beautifully exhausting. Sometimes you're like, I don't know. Like, yeah. I'm yeah. going to go pray now because that's all I have left. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, it and then the, and, Yeah, yeah. And then the idea, you know, that I love when people say, Jesus wouldn't do that. I said, hold on, let's talk about that. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we, not, not, in, I'm not referencing what you just said about staring. No, I'm talking about like Jesus wouldn't blow up a situation or he wouldn't, you know, be device, divisive is the right word. He wouldn't, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess what I'm saying, when you look at the life of Jesus, he disrupted everything. I mean, all the way from a one-liner caused an entire religious system to crumble, kneeling on the ground, shocked an entire scene of people wanting to murder a woman that committed adultery. So everything Jesus did was just massively disruptive. So we have to be careful. Jesus would, I'd wait. He actually was quite disruptive. He was quite disruptive. Now, how he went about it was very different than this aggressive, violent approach uh, and so on and so forth. So I think we have to really go back and try our best to remove the lenses of how we've always seen Jesus and go, actually, I need a kingdom lens. And so that, that's that whole thing. So the other thing that's going on right now that I'm, these words are not new, but they seem to be we're going after it this year at Bethel. So these are three words, is revival, transformation, and reformation. And those are three key words that we're really going after. So the way I would describe it in short is re revival is when, is revival essentially when something was dead is now made alive again. So God touches you, you're revived, or God touches a city and revive. I mean, this thing of just coming back to life. Now, I'll be very clear. Will God touch you and regardless if you do something with it or not yes that's the grace of god grace of god is so much bigger than you now have to do something with it so i like to be clear on that because sometimes we go the reason why he touched you is just to touch the nation that's actually not entirely true he'll touch you because he loves you now if you want to touch the nation then yeah that's obviously an option so that's kind of i don't know the right wording but that's how i think of it 
the revival leads, so when I get touched by God, it takes me, if I steward it well, it takes me to a place of transformation where I begin to be transformed from the inside out. Now, once I begin transformed, then I start looking at the world around me and I'm going, the world around me is not the same that is within me. So what can I do to reform the world around me? And the challenge, though, is I've seen a lot of people burn out in transformation, and I've seen a lot of people burn out in reformation. Mm-hmm. And the reason is, is they left revival and moved on. So the challenge is we can't leave revival behind. We daily need to be taking a drink of God's presence. We daily, constantly need to be filled with his presence. The idea of God's presence isn't something that happened 12 years ago. The Bible says his train fills the temple. The idea is that his train is coming into the temple continually. So as believers, and Jesus said to take a drink of my water, take a drink daily, week, whatever the right language is there. It's like, okay. So when I move into transformation or reformation, I'm not leaving revival. I'm not leaving transformation. I'm bringing all that with me. So I think we're going to come up with some, a better construct or better language around it. Actually, those three things, revival, transformation, and uh, reformation, are actually need to stay very close hand in hand. And I think that's what the Lord is doing right now. Because I've seen people, they've left revival. It was something that happened 20 years ago. Actually, no, no, no. You have, to, you have to stay in a posture of being revived. Because when you start touching transformation and you start moving into reformation, you are treading in a world of darkness. You are, you're treading in culture and society and it'll swallow you alive if you're not staying revived and continually being transformed. And so I, I was sharing with someone this week, I said, you have to be trusted with culture before you can impact culture. Can you hold a knife to your throat when the, the luxuries, the benefits of culture come at you? You know, the verse in Proverbs said, when the king sets his food before you, can you, do you know how to hold a knife to your throat? Can you be bought or not be bought? And so we have to understand that when we talk about culture, we have to be, God has to be able to trust us with culture before we actually can impact it. I love the way that you worded that, um, especially like that you have to be trusted with culture, because I think it's easy to say, you know, especially with these keywords like influencer and you know, all these yep. words and they're real to our culture, but it's like, can he actually trust you mm-hmm. with, if he were to hand you that, you know, yeah. And, yeah. And what would that do to you? And like, you know, there's so much that goes into that, um, yeah. that, and, and I, I mean, I've come across many people, even though I'm, I mean, I'm 34, but that you can sense like they're not oily. Like they, they've left kind of the, the pond of oil, and yeah. I mean, even in my own life, I feel like he's constantly draw near, Shay, draw yeah. near, like, you know, yeah. and it, it's, I think sometimes culturally we're like our, our visions out there, like, okay, I got to go impact. And we forget that actually I, I, I need to sit here and get oily first. I need to make sure that mm-hmm. the dove's still on my shoulder. I need to make sure my heart's postured in a place of receiving. How do yep. you feel like personally you, you, does that play out in your life? Yeah. I mean, I, I, to be, to be frank, I'm very much in a church context. So my, yeah. my role, my role is to raise up a generation of people that goes into culture. Now it doesn't mean I don't personally, you know, when, 
because my world is so full with what I'm with my assignment, I have fringe, if you will, that I can actually do it. Sure. Now, I always say my interactions with culture are definitely increasing, especially as I dive more and more into this topic. Um, and so, as far as I think for me is, you got to know you got to know what your lane is. You know, your ambition, excitement, your vision and goals is sometimes bigger than what your grace is actually for. Mm. And so I think being able to assess that well is really wise. You know, um, I tell people often, you know, like, hey, I'm really called to, you know, Hollywood or I'm called to New York or I'm called to, you know, whatever. I'm called to that. And, and if I observe a, you know, the character is not strong or they actually don't value the presence of God enough. They think it's like, I fill me up and now I'm going to run like crazy. It's like, if, you know, if you just start sensing another, there, ha- there are some key blocks and fundamentals that are really crucial. And I think the story I love the most in this topic is the story of Daniel. Mm-hmm. And Daniel, Daniel, before he was given great influence, made the decision to not compromise. And that's in Daniel chapter one. He said, I'm not going to compromise. I'm not going to defy myself with the king's food. Now, what we have done, the church, we're great at saying, nope, not doing that. What we do is we disengage. And mm-hmm. Daniel, found a way, Daniel found a way to stay engaged. And so he came up with the idea, you know, of let me eat my food for 10 days and you guys can judge. Well, what's interesting is when Daniel made a decision not to compromise, then the Lord gave him favor. Oftentimes, we're waiting for favor before we go into culture. And God's like, I need to trust you. Man. with culture before I'll give you favor in culture. And so what I've noticed in that story, is Daniel said, I'm not defying myself. I'm committed to the Lord and I found a creative solution. So I think a lot of Christians lack the creative solution to like, we got it. We need to stay in the game. How do we stay in the game? We need creativity to stay in the game. And when Daniel did that, then it said the Lord gave him favor among the chief of the eunuchs. So now Daniel had favor with one man. And then the 10 days went by. And they judged the men, they ate the king's food, and they judged Daniel and his free friend, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they said, oh, oh, wow, you guys look better and healthier than these ones over here. You can do you can do that. And then the next verse says this, is that then God gave them wisdom and stature and gave Daniel the ability to interpret all visions and all dreams. So it was interesting that uh, Daniel could be trusted with more. God gave him favor with one man then gave him a supernatural gift, which all of us were signed up for, to interpret every dream and vision. And then Nebuchadnezzar came to the conclusion and said, you are 10 times greater than all my other, all my other servants. And then the rest of Daniel. But what's fascinating about Daniel, in Daniel chapter 3, you have the fiery furnace. They did not compromise, and that was actually 16 to 18 years later. Wow. Then, then Daniel chapter six, three kings later, Daniel in the lion's den. That is almost 70 years after Daniel chapter one. So what did they tell us? Daniel lived a lifestyle of not compromising, not being bought into culture. He always stayed integrous and God gave him favor, skills, gifts, et cetera, et cetera. So I think as we go into culture, there's some key components that we have to, we have to make sure we adhere to. Man, that is, I didn't realize it was that long, that it was 70 years. That is, I'm like, I'm going to have to go crack open my Bible and read Daniel because that is astounding to me. 70, 60, like 68 to 70 years after Daniel chapter one. 
And what was his response to a new law being decreed to worship the king? He opened his windows and said, I want everyone to know who my God is and worship out in the public. So his, he was so committed to staying pure before the Lord. And a lot of Christians go into culture and try to compromise, kind of just become relevant or whatever the right, whatever those words are. And then we, our plan is, all right, I'm going to get into culture. And five years later, I'm going to come out and say, hey, I'm a Christian. And we surprise everyone. But no, no, no. God is not looking for you to dumb down your purity, your righteousness. He actually will honor that. And we just, we have a lot to learn in the church. So I'm excited about what's ahead. Um, I like even talking to you, it just makes me get that much more excited because I, I'm a believer that like God knew, God knew what all this was going to be. And like, I don't know. I just feel like, I mean, I'm sure it's this way all the time with God, but I feel like he's looking going, this is an amazing time to live. Yeah. This is an amazing time to be bold in our faith. This is an amazing time to, to really like, uh, yeah, like consecrate inwardly, outwardly and say, okay, like, and I just feel yep. like he's raising up those dry bones, yep. you know? Come on. So, man, I love this conversation. I, I want to ask you um, to just pray. Uh, yep. However you feel that it's kind of hard to like sum up the conversation. I mean, I feel like there's like 5,000 one-liners of what I could write. Um, but just, yeah, whatever you feel led to pray, yeah. Um, I know that there's going to be many listeners um, that are like, you know, culturally in, you know, what we call a seven mountain, but you know, like that we would just stay pure of heart and that we would stay yeah. integrous and that we wouldn't, um, you know, like we wouldn't dim down so that we yep. feel like in some way we could strive to get us somewhere. You know, yep. I think of Daniel, like he didn't, he didn't like, okay, well I'm going to, you know, go, undercover you know to get my way in there but god just was like nope i'm raising you up and you don't have to change your beliefs you don't have to pretend that you know you don't love jesus as much so i would love if you if you would just pray uh, and however you feel led and then when you're done i'm gonna ask you the question that i ask everyone great yeah father we thank you that you have chosen every one of us to be alive for such a time as this This was not an accident. This was not just a biological burp. This was actually something that you planned and intended. And so I pray for everyone that's listening right now. I pray that we would capture your heart and we would would be able to lean into what did the kingdom look like in this current day and age? How did Jesus do this? And I pray for the reformers to remember that we can never move away from being revived and revival itself. And I pray that you would teach us how to carry revival, transformation, and reformation hand in hand, that we don't graduate onto something else, but that we actually stick even more closely to the idea that you are you are the one that saved us. You are the one that fills us up. You're the one that brings strength to us. And Father, I pray that we will always stay humble. You would teach us to remain humble and realize this is not our own doing. This is not something we can conjure up but we are fully submitted to you carrying us through. And we know that when you touch us, it's because you love us. And we also know we have the opportunity to touch the world and touch culture and society. So I pray for people that are listening, that the reformers would rise to people that are experiencing revival and transformation. They would carry a passion to see reformation take place in culture and society. We're asking for great wisdom and great revelation to do this really well. And thanks for the opportunity. Amen. Amen. That was amazing. I'm like, woohoo. 
Um, but let's yeah, so I, I know, right? I'm like, let's go, people. Uh, if you're driving, that does not mean go. That means keep your eyes on the road. Um, yeah, so I ask everybody this question, and I'm really curious to see your answer. Um, if you in this season of your life, I say that just because I think it's that helps. would be yeah. different, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, the 13 year old Shay would want somebody completely different. Yeah. In this season of your life, if you could have any three people um, at your table, whether living or passed away, I call those gone but not forgotten. Um, if you could have anybody at a table chatting about whatever um, you would want to talk about, uh, who would they be and why? <laughs> Um, well, Jesus has to be at the table. Okay. So I mean, what if we say Jesus, Holy Spirit and God are already at the table? Okay, great. That, that helps. That covers. Um, that. yeah, you know, I probably would pick King Solomon. Um, King Solomon. Do you want me to tell you why or just name them? But yeah, I would, I mean, you can name them and then say why, or you can, yeah, I'd love to hear why. Uh, okay. So this is going to be an eclectic group. So like uh, King that. Solomon, uh, Kobe Bryant, and my third one, I'm going to pick someone that's alive. Um, I Man, why am I thinking of this person? I have no idea. It just came to mind. I probably would put Malcolm Gladwell. I'm reading one of his books right now. Which one? Uh, the Tipping Point. Oh, yeah. Have you read his newest one? I just finished his newest one, Talking to Strangers. No, I haven't. It's on my it's on Ooh. my list. But yeah, I, great book. Um, so I, why I, why I would pick those three? King Solomon had one of the most unique assignments in the world. That his dad was the exact opposite assignment that he had. How did he How did he transition an entire known world kingdom into that? That is incredible leadership. There's, and I'm, I have actually told God, I'm a little frustrated. There's nothing in scripture that actually talks about that transition more, but whatever. Uh, so, and then Kobe Bryant, uh, you know, he recently passed away and um, I, he's I, you know, one of my favorite athletes. I admire him. Obviously, you know, a lot of people don't understand that and that's fine, but I do think he, there were things that he carried that I do admire. And then Malcolm Gladwell, what, wouldn't that be an interesting lunch right there? Those three people talking. And I would not, I would just be listening. Right. I would like forget taking notes. I'm just going to record it and hash it out later. Like, oh yeah. That would be such an interesting. Yeah. That, I don't even, man, I don't know why I thought of those three, but there's my answer for you. <laughs> I like that. I did just recently listen to your sermon from, I think it was last Sunday or the Sunday before where uh, you did talk about Kobe Bryant. And honestly, I was oh. moved. I was like, yep. man, like just because of his, you know, the way that I don't, yeah, I, that's not a podcast about Kobe Bryant, but I was like really moved by your sermon. And very cool. Um, he is, he's somebody that I think culturally, like we looked at and we were like, there's something about him that yep. we need to learn yep. from that we can go. Yep. So yep, I totally. did that. So, but hey, thanks so much for being on and thank you for your time and your wisdom. And uh, I look forward to to listening to more about what God's doing in you and in the way that you're wording it generationally has just been awesome. Cool. Thanks so much. And it was wonderful to spend some time with you and talk about one of my most favorite topics. I know. I'm like, I feel, can we have like five more episodes with you? Because I feel <laughs> like there's just so much to talk about. But yep. I'll have to do that another time. But everybody, thank you guys for listening. And tuning in, I pray that uh, you would really sit on this and really say, okay, where is my heart? Where, where, um, 
you know, it, you know, in a culture that we live in, like what is kingdom and what is religion? I know yep. that for me, that is going to be a takeaway that I'm going to go and, and sit with the father and say, okay, you know, Psalms 24, those with clean hands and a pure heart, show me Lord where I'm missing it and showing so that I can fulfill your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. So to Love all you listeners, have a great day, great evening, great drive sitting at work, pretending to do work, whatever you're doing, be blessed. <laughs>